Every January, the Sunday after Epiphany, is the Sunday of the Baptism of the Lord when we uh, celebrate the baptism of Jesus in the Jordan. This year, the Common Lectionary gives us that story from the Gospel according to St. Luke. John the Baptizer went into all the region around the Jordan proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And as the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I'm not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals and he will baptize with Holy Spirit. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary. Now when all the people were baptized and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove and a voice came out of heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. A lesson from the Hebrew Psalter is Psalm 29 when Luke tells us that the heavens opened and a voice was heard speaking to Jesus. We think that the background to this story in Luke's mind is this song from the Hebrew Psalter, Psalm 29. The God of heaven thunders whose voice in cadent echoes resounds above the waters and all the world sings glory, glory, glory. The desert writhes in tempest, wind whips the trees to fury, the lightning splits the forest, and flame diffuses glory, glory, glory. The mighty God eternal is to the throne ascended, and we who are God's people within these walls cry, glory, glory, glory. Pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. When Jesus was baptized, Luke tells us the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove and a voice was heard saying, This is my beloved Son, with him I am well pleased. Baptism is an adoption into the family of God. And the sacramental language of our church likes to make this very clear. In baptism, says our liturgy, in baptism God claims us and puts a sign on us to show that we belong to God. And that word sign is very important. Baptism is a sign and seal of our adoption into the family of God. You are my son, you are my daughter, says God to each of us at our own baptisms. That is to say, baptism is not an agent of holiness, but a sign of holiness. Baptism doesn't create a holiness that was never previously there, but acknowledges a holiness that has been there from the beginning. Baptism isn't the beginning of a relationship with God, but recognize a relationship with God that we've always had. In this way, we differ from other parts of the body of Christ. You remember in in that time when in Catholic families it was very important that the infant's first trip outside the home into the dangerous world was for her baptism because there was nothing more tragic than dying unbaptized. In that old Catholic sacramental theology, baptism was a kind of magical incantation. 
The baptism created a new relationship with God, a new reality. It created holiness, created a relationship with God. But that's not what baptism means to Protestants like us. It's just a sign that we belong to God and always have. So Dudley is my third golden retriever. When Dudley's predecessor, Duncan, died young at the age of six, we were so bereft, we didn't think he could be replaced. He was such a sweet and faithful animal that we thought of him as irreplaceable. But we got tired of our doglessness after about a year. And nine years ago, on the day after Christmas, my son was home from school, so I drove all four of us to this charming farmhouse outside Hartford, Connecticut, and when we knocked on the door, there was a K-9 cacophony from within when about seven golden retrievers started yammering and scurrying to the door. The streets of heaven, they say, are paved with gold, and I believe it, because after my year of doglessness, I collapsed on the floor and was surrounded by all these beautiful goldens who, of course, outnumbered the people in the home about 10 to 1, so they were all attention-starved and were glad to see us. In every corner of this home, there was a litter of puppies at different stages of canine development. And all of these puppies are for sale, of course, and the kennel owner knows that the owners will want to give these puppies its own name. But that doesn't stop her from giving the puppies a temporary name while they're there at her kennel. She loves these dogs like they're her children. When we went home finally with Dudley, she wept. And so she gives them these temporary names before the owners change that name out for a permanent one. And that means she has to come up with scores of puppy names. And so over, over in one corner, there is a litter of Bible puppies called Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in that corner over there, there's a, a litter of Yankee puppies called Garrick, Jamaggio, Mantle, and the Babe. And before Dudley was Dudley, his name was Edison because Dudley came from a, a litter of inventor puppies, which included Alexander, Graham, Bell, Ben, and Franklin. While we were there, the vet made a house call because how do you get 12 Golden Retriever puppies to the vet's office? And I think there were 10 puppies in Dudley's litter, and they're all squirming all over each other in this fenced-off corner of the house. And the vet reaches down and picks up a puppy and squirts a syringe in its mouth. And then she took her finger and dipped it in a bowl of water and moistened the puppy's forehead. And then she grabbed the next puppy and did the same thing, syringe, water, syringe, water. She did this 10 times, and my daughter was about 15 years old at the time, and her eyes get wide, and she says, do the puppies have to get baptized too? And the vet laughs and says, well, yeah, I guess so. These are Presbyterian puppies, right? <laughs> but then she explains why she moistened the puppy's forehead. She has to tell which one she's inoculated and which one she still has to do yet. It's just a sign and a seal. She needs to know which puppies have been protected and which ones are not yet protected. Now, I'm not saying that the unbaptized are unloved or unprotected. I'm just saying that those of us who have been baptized have a sign and a seal that we are protected and loved by God forever. A sign and a seal. I am, of course, a passionate advocate of Big Ten football. I love all these schools y'all send your children to Illinois and Iowa and Northwestern and Michigan. 
My father-in-law was a Wolverine. My wife is a Wolverine. When my son graduated from high school, I sent $200,000 to the University of Michigan to see what they could do with him. So I love Big Ten football. But I have to say that I have some new football heroes in my life just now. Did you hear the way Dabo Swinney and Trevor Lawrence talked about their faith after that stunning display of invincibility against Alabama on Monday night? All the glory goes to God for both of these guys. Now, I guess I haven't been paying attention this football season because until the playoffs, I'd never heard of Trevor Lawrence, Clemson quarterback. But it turns out he's always been something special. When he graduated from high school six months ago, he's 19, when he graduated from high school, he was the number two rated recruit in the entire nation. His record at his Georgia high school was 52-2. and two. And he wears number 16 because that's the number Peyton Manning wore when he played for Tennessee. He's six foot six and absolutely unflappable. And if you've seen photos, you know he has these glowing golden locks and they call him Sunshine because he reminds Clemson fans of Ronnie Sunshine Bass, the California beach boy hero from the film Remember the Titans. And Trevor Lawrence says, Football is important to me, obviously, but it's not my life. It's not the biggest thing in my life. My faith is the biggest thing in my life. That just comes from knowing who I am outside of football. I just know, no matter how big the situation is, it's not really going to define me. I put my identity in what Christ says, who Christ thinks I am, and so it doesn't matter what other people think of me. Such a grounded and mature faith for such a young man. And it just made me think, who tells you who you are? Who tells you what you're worth? Have you ever been tempted to accept the world's assessment of your worth? Has the world ever tried to shrink you down to size on the playing field or in the classroom or in the workplace? And so it's important to remember that whether we're winning national championships or improbably bonking the goalposts five times in two games like Cody Parkey, only God can tell us what we're worth. Only God can tell us who we are. And God made God's assessment of our worth long ago at our baptism. And God said, you're a son of mine. You're a daughter of mine. In baptism, God claims us and puts a sign on us to show that we belong to God, a sign of our adoption into the family of God. God, our origin and our destiny. In the beginning, we come from God. At the end, we return to God every day between with God, from God to God, with God, every single day. What's your sign? A common query between strangers at the local pub. What's your sign? Leo, Virgo, Scorpio. What's your sign? You kind of hope it's obvious. You kind of hope people notice to whom we belong. Baptism is the act of a moment, but the work of a lifetime that's living up to and into God's lavish grace, God's unmerited favor, the good news of our glad God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.